Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else. Primarily, but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Now I'm going to preface this episode by noting that I already recorded a podcast with Colin Cowherd and already spoke on Fox Sports Radio about the game. So this may go in a different direction than maybe I or you had originally anticipated. But there's no other way to put it. Giannis Antetokounmpo isn't just an NBA champion. He's the ideal NBA champion after all we've been through the last few years when it comes to talking about the NBA. He didn't just prove that he's a champion. He showed what it can mean to be a champion. Not just for himself or the Milwaukee Bucks or the thousands of fans delirious over seeing the franchise win its first title in 50 years. But to all of us. I said in an Instagram post earlier that I expected the Bucks to come out with a lot of nervous, jittery energy knowing they were one win away from achieving their dream, a dream that they've entertained for several seasons now and fell woefully short. I was feeling jittery myself because I had the sense that I was about to see something historic. For the Bucks, playing in front of a crowd, desperate for you to realize that dream for them as well can be counterproductive, and clearly the Bucks came out tentative. Both the Suns and Bucks did. What I did not say is who I expected to have the hardest time getting over those jitters. 
But in my mind, Giannis was at the top of the list. For no one, I thought, would reap more from getting that last final win than him. And with his game relying so much on his energy and athleticism, I envisioned it being a challenge to harness it and play a composed game. Lo and behold, he was the one who held everything together, who kept his focus squarely on the task at hand until there were 19 seconds left. And he celebrated with P.J. Tucker in the backcourt as Pat Connaughton clanked a pair of free throws that could have put the Bucks up by 10. I actually yelled at my TV, don't celebrate yet. The job is not done. I've seen the basketball gods punish plenty of teams before for prematurely thinking the outcome has been settled. I'm sure you have too. So when Chris Paul scored a quick layup and Giannis was fouled with 9.8 seconds left and the lead now six, I thought, if he misses these two free throws and the Suns hit a quick three. Well, as it turned out, Giannis made one of his two free throws and my imagination could finally take a rest. But that brief blip was the only time Giannis gave any sign that his focus and concentration was not exactly where it needed to be. As profound as his physical achievements were in this series, the three 40-point-plus games, the huge blocks, the electric drives and finishes at the rim, it was his mental tenacity that impressed me more than anything. He didn't play like someone seeking validation. He played like someone who already believed he was a champion and simply had to go through the exercise of confirming it. There is so much I want to get into as a result of the Bucks defeating the Suns earlier tonight to win the 2021 NBA title. How they did it, how the way they did it could impact the way we see the game played going forward. Because champions inevitably create a blueprint that other teams then attempt to mirror, either to thwart the champions, replicate what they did, or a little of both. The career paths that have been altered as a result, and of course, there's so much to unpack about Giannis and what he did in Game 6 and what that means both for him and the Bucks and the hierarchy of the league going forward. But for now, I just want to bask in how Giannis winning will change the discourse about the NBA, since that is what I'm so intimately involved in, both as an observer and a participant. The dividends are rich, my friends. Giannis winning a title as he did should drive a stake into the constant debate about Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Sure, there are those who are immediately going to jump into the debate of whether where this puts Giannis among the all-time greats or whether he's the best player currently in the league. But I suspect those, even those, will be much healthier discussions. In large part because Giannis is too humble and too wise to participate in them himself. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. He's too busy figuring out what he thinks of himself, how he thinks of himself. That's what his concise explanation of ego versus pride versus being in the moment a couple of games ago told us. And he's going to let his work speak for itself. He's also going to shift the focus of what we talk about when we talk about the NBA and the work that goes into being a champion, the sacrifice, the pure joy, his story, 
his path to success, is everything that I love about sports and what it can mean, what it can teach us, how it can inspire us. I think of Charles Barkley's famous commercial years ago saying, I am not a role model, a position I agreed with at the time for all athletes. It's dangerous to make sports heroes into role models because there is so much about the world of professional sports and what is done to succeed that are not healthy principles to encourage our kids to replicate. The idea that the ends justifies the means is all too often embraced when it comes to that, and it is all too easy to judge by appearances and come to inaccurate conclusions. What Giannis' story gives us is that the means are as important as the result. He did not say, look what I did at the podium after winning. He said, look what I showed everyone they can do. He talked about eight years ago not knowing where his next meal was coming from, and now look, I'm at the top of the top, providing hope for anyone who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from, or where they're going to sleep tonight, or how they're going to get through whatever challenge they may be facing. That it not only can be overcome, but it's possible to reach a place you yourself may not have even considered possible. He credited Kobe Bryant with challenging him to become an MVP and a champion, and it gave me the distinct impression that he had not imagined those things for himself until Kobe said they were possible. He's been showing us all along, long before this series. I said it early in the series, after the Bucks won their first game, that I wasn't sure if Giannis would be a champion this year, but that, that I was convinced for the first time that he would be a champion before his career was over. I'm pretty sure I said it on this podcast, as well as on TV. Monty Williams, the Phoenix Suns coach, was lauded for telling his team that what they wanted to achieve was on the other side of hard. Monty Williams told us. Giannis showed us. He defied so many preconceived notions about himself and about what we all had come to believe about the game in one single performance. He scored 50 points while making only a single three-pointer, one of three attempts, was not a major part of his game or this game. He did it making 17 of 19 free throws, something that no one thought he was capable of, other than Giannis. Chris Paul exposed the fact that he did not know who he was dealing with in Giannis when he said that he misses free throws so badly that even he doesn't think he's going to make them. First of all, Giannis wasn't missing free throws badly, even on his worst nights. He was inevitably missing them long or short. And that's actually what good shooters do. Bad shooters miss left and right. He also never took a free throw thinking he was going to miss. I've competed in enough sports and certainly watched, played, and coached enough basketball to know when a player doesn't think his or, shot, his or her shot is going to go in. Nick Anderson missed four consecutive free throws at the end of Game 1 of the 1995 Finals. Four misses that resulted in the Magic, ahead by three with 8.5 seconds left, losing in overtime and subsequently being swept in the series by the Houston Rockets. It's not that Nick was a bad shooter. 
He missed too short and too long. It's that his body language, his demeanor, told you he didn't believe they were going in before he took them. I was there. Giannis never exhibited that body language. Even when he went 4 for 11 in Game 5 in Phoenix, with the crowd counting the seconds it took him to go through his pre-shot routine, hoping to alert the referees, presumably, that he was going past the allotted 10 seconds, or get Giannis to think about the fact that he was going past the allotted 10 seconds. I firmly believe resolutely fighting through that, continuing to get himself to the free throw line in spite of the fact that he knew it meant subjecting himself to the crowd's heckling, is what put him in position in the comfort of his home arena and in front of his home crowd to make all those free throws in Game 6. He knew that no matter what the crowd was saying or doing in Phoenix, that merely getting to the line was paying dividends. It meant foul trouble for the Suns. It meant time for him to rest. It meant time for the Bucks to get back and force the Suns to beat a set defense to score. It meant sending a powerful message to his entire team. I'm not afraid, and you shouldn't be either. And it meant that he knew that at some point, he was going to have to make free throws. Giannis wasn't out there trying to be better than someone else. He was trying to be his best self. That is something I would want any young player or person, young or old, to emulate. It was about figuring out what he could do with the skill set he has at the present time to get the job done. He showed that you don't have to be recruited. You don't have to play AAU. You don't have to work the referees or fool them. You don't have to change teams. You don't have to build a super team. None of it. I've always believed pronouns are important. Which ones we choose to use reveal our mindset and our motive. Giannis used we all season long. When the Bucks were struggling early on, he said, we will get through this. It was one of the first indicators for me that he was on the right path. He didn't talk about what he didn't have, what he wasn't getting or doing. It was purely about what needed to be done. When he sat triumphant at the podium with the finals MVP trophy and the championship trophy in his arms, he said, we did it. The role of foreign athletes in our country has been at the heart of a lot of controversy lately. Stephen A. Smith's regrettable and obtuse view of Shohei Otani as being a poor ambassador of the game of baseball because he uses as an interpreter is one. That occurred right before the All-Star game and the home run derby. Otani didn't win it, despite being the number one seed, but he showed us who he was and how he competed, with a joy for simply being in the fight. He didn't walk away dejected, but with a weary smile since he had to go to a tiebreaker before he lost. There was no need for an interpreter. After all, it was just a freaking home run derby, an exhibition. The whole idea of needing to promote a player to engage fans seems warped to me to begin with. I loved watching Magic Johnson play because of the clear joy he felt making magic on the court, and especially making magic that resulted in someone else getting a bucket. I see the same in watching Shohei. A similar conversation sprung up in recent days about Giannis not being suitable as the face of the NBA because we don't know enough about him 
that his self-effacing personality isn't suited for that bright light. I can't give you all the reasons put forth, because I didn't pay that much attention to the debate. I just know it was out there. But Giannis laid waste to all that as well. He let us know exactly who he was, both by how he played and how he spoke about his mindset. He reminded me of how Steph Curry and Draymond Green spoke about themselves and their team in pursuit of their championships. There was a forthrightness and an honesty that we don't always hear. I felt as if Giannis carried himself like a champion well before the final buzzer sounded on Game 6. And I can't think of a better face for the league than someone who doesn't aspire to be the face of the league. Because it's an aspiration that isn't about we. It's about me. It's about some ethereal throne that is grounded more in perception than actual achievement. I believe it's one of the demons that has prompted LeBron to say and do so many things that have made us uncertain about what his motives and principles are. I don't have any of those questions about Giannis. I don't know that I ever have. The same can be said about the whole debate over who the Bucks' Batman was, with some suggesting it was actually Chris Middleton. Never once, now that I think about it, as that debate raged, did I get the sense that Giannis ever took a shot or made a play where he was trying to prove he deserved that acknowledgement that he wanted to prove that he was the team's superhero. He just did what he was capable of, and in Game 6, wound up with nearly half the Bucks' points. Not because that's what he set out to do, but because with the rest of his team struggling, it's what needed to be done. My apologies if this is all a lot more esoteric than you expected from me in the wake of a champion being crowned. I was planning to end this daily podcast format with the conclusion of the finals, but my intention now is to keep them going. There is still a lot to break down from the game and the series, the individual and collective performances, and what we can draw from all of it, or at least what I drew from all of it. And I do plan to get to all of that in future episodes. But it all feels like minutia at the moment after seeing Giannis accomplish something in a way that I don't know I've ever seen before. As well as he played, it's the thought of how far he had to come, the many things he had to overcome in order to achieve the ultimate goal. That's what stands out. And that he made the ultimate goal the ultimate goal once more. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please continue to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As I said, in the subsequent podcasts episodes this week, I will get into more about Chris Paul and Devin Booker and where this success by the Bucks, what it does for the league, what it does for, I think, a newly created position that Giannis has introduced. Anthony Davis may have been the forerunner, but Giannis brought it all the way home. As I said, we'll continue to discuss that and other elements going forward. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 